I lift up my eyes to the hills. Please be seated. It is night, and there is trouble in the valley. He has heard the stories about this man, Jesus, the miracles, the teachings, the healings. He has heard about his run-ins with his fellow religious leaders. I imagine Nicodemus standing in his house. It's evening, almost night, and the lamps are lit. It's been a long day, but he still can't shake this Jesus fellow. The stories keep playing in his mind. He goes to bed and lies there. The crackle of the fire in the fireplace becomes like a knock at his mind's door, and he can't handle it anymore. Waiting until the morning is too much of a risk, too much of a risk to be seen and too much of a risk for his mind. He's got to go. He's got to go find this Jesus and get some answers. It is night, and there is trouble in Nicodemus's valley. He rushes around town, running through the streets of shadows, trying to find the one whom everyone is talking about. He turns down a street, and there he sees a faint glow of light pouring out into the street, a lamp spilling light to light the way. Nicodemus remembers the story of the light leading those who traveled afar to see Jesus' birth. Heart racing and his feet, too. He finds himself smack dab in the middle of a radiant light, catching his breath, whether from his fleet-footed effort to get to Jesus without being caught or seen, or because it was the vision his eyes captured. He isn't sure. Anxiety, fear, joy, elation, The tension is so thick, a legion of Roman soldiers can't cut through it. And then he blurts out in a passionate utterance, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. You see, there is trouble in the valley tonight, and Nicodemus is searching for help. Jesus turns to Nicodemus, 
Nicodemus lifts his eyes to the hills where God dwells. Nicodemus lifts his eyes from the troubled valley he has been dwelling in to see where his help is to come from. Nicodemus lifts his eyes in the hopes that the promise that David recorded in the psalm is true. That the one who made heaven and earth does not sleep but is on constant guard. That the one who put the sun and moon into orbit who walked with his ancestors in the desert, was standing right in front of him. Like he was reading his mind, Jesus quips, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Born again? How can this happen? This is absurd. I I can't go back into my mother's womb. With a reassuring smile, Jesus explains that it is an inward change, an inward rebirth. Leaving the life you had in the rearview mirror, so to speak. Look to me, Jesus says. For here you will find the help that you have sought after. For you will find help and not condemnation from me. You will find life. Walk in the ways that I am showing you and you will find freedom, free to be a blessing, freed from arbitrary choices, and be made into servants of peace. My spirit cannot be domesticated, and it will guide you. The trouble, Nicodemus, that haunts your valley is no more. Your help is here. The story of Nicodemus does not end here, though. It continues in later chapters with Nicodemus defending Jesus to the Pharisees and caring for the body of Jesus after the crucifixion. However, it all started with a search in the night for light. Lifting up his eyes to the hills, Nicodemus' story isn't just scribed in ancient history to lie there, but is alive and well today. It is your story. It is my story. It is humankind's story. John 3.16 is one of the most, if not the most famous verse in the Bible. And yet one that is interpreted to focus on the eternal aspect of life. We have a common saying here in the Episcopal Church that when death happens, life is changed, not ended. Our mortal bodies might be laid to rest, but life does go on. 
If this is true, which I firmly believe it is, our life here is part of that eternal life paradigm that John speaks about in 3.16. John 3.16 also has a history of being used as a weapon. A weapon to force people into a corner of belief and belief being here loosely interpreted to mean a multitude of ways. And usually the one quoting the verse has precepts for what belief means. It often results in the whoever or whosoever being conditional. For far too long, my personal troubled valley was plagued by the thought of not qualifying for the whoever. The voices that echoed in my valley told me that because I was gay or experienced God in a different way than the norm, I wasn't worthy of the help that I sought after. That when I lifted my eyes to the hills, instead of finding God, I would find nothing. Like Nicodemus, hearing the stories and the gospel of Jesus, I had to search God out and experience God for myself, instead of hearing how God should act or shouldn't act within my life. We are in Lent. And we are called to look within, to discern the deepest parts of ourselves and our pasts. This is difficult and taxing work. I don't know what your valley might look like this morning. I don't know if you've turned your eyes to the hills in search of God. I don't know what you've been told about God or how God should act in your life. I don't know if you've felt excluded or told God does not love you or you aren't worth anything or especially of God's love because of your past or because of who you are. But I'm here to tell you today that you are loved and were created for blessing and goodness. That condemnation is not in God's plan for you or for I. That you, no matter who you are, are included in God's whosoever. So don't be afraid to look to the hills for help this morning. Don't be afraid to come to God just as you are. Oh, there might be trouble in your valley today. But the one claiming you as their own is waiting for you. Just look to the hills. Amen.